Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. This month we're talking about the glorious mess in the month of September, the glorious mess. And it's an awesome theme. It's about, it's really just real life, right? Because many of us, all of us, at some point in our lives will find ourselves in what we kind of would describe as a mess. And it doesn't always feel glorious, although God can make it glorious. And that's the point of this theme, is that that's the hope we have, is that in Jesus, he makes our, our messes, he makes something of us. He makes something of those difficult situations. And so tonight, the message I want to share, the title of my message is, Just Say Sorry. Just Say Sorry. Um, A lot of the time, the messes that we get into, we get into ourselves. Sometimes the messes we get into are caused by other people. But the the kind of messes I want to talk about tonight are the ones we get into ourselves. Now, if you've never done anything wrong, then this message won't relate to you. Okay? If you've never, ever upset anyone, I'm really sorry. The next 30 minutes probably won't mean anything to you. But for those of us who have, just say sorry. And so it's this whole concept of we're actually all born with a clean slate, right? We're born with this innocence and this purity. And as life goes on, we tend to layer things onto our lives. Some of those things are not of our own creation or our own doing, but a lot of them are. And so I want to talk tonight about that, about that part of our lives, the part of the mess that we get ourselves into And how we rectify that. Do you know that God created us all with a need to engage and interact with other people? He, He created us that way. In fact, all of the Ten Commandments boil down to two things. Love God and love people. God created us with a need for connection. With a need to connect with Him and a need to connect with others. The thing is, people become obsessed with All other things like nature and dogs and pets because they get so hurt by humans that they don't engage with humans anymore. But we have this deep need to connect. And um, and it's amazing because God's been taking me on this journey and I've got a few messages just in my spirit around this kind of concept of relationship And it's amazing how God can have a theme because I was just this week listening to Owen McManus and he stole my notes and I need to talk to him about doing that. But it's this theme that God is on and and I'm sort of seeing it pop up. And so the messages I'm hearing are about forgiveness that we need to extend to other people. But what I'm not hearing a lot of is the forgiveness we need to ask for. The forgiveness we need to ask for. But the point is... That when you can come to a place of that kind of humility, you become a bigger person. And the enemy actually wants you to be filled with pride. And he wants you to be filled with hurt and filled with the kind of justification that maintains your position. So that you don't ask for forgiveness. And I want to actually turn that on its head. Because this is a work that God needs to do in all of us is to be able to just say sorry. You know, broken relationships cause us pain. Because we are created by God in a way to connect with people, when relationships are broken, they cause us pain. It's a truth 
of humanity. It's the truth of life because we have this need for connection. And, um, and it's something that, that we don't really do very well. Human nature loves to maintain its own position out of a place of pride. I remember when Sam and I started dating and, um, and you know, my upbringing was quite broken and quite, you know, like we, I didn't really see a whole, of, a whole lot of apology taking place. And, and so to me, apology was a sign of weakness, it was a sign of weakness. It meant that I was surrendering. And so that was kind of the model that I had. And so I kind of had this, this approach to relationships where I always had to be the strong one and never back down. I remember when we were dating and Sam one night dropped me off at home at my curfew because I had a curfew. And um, we kind of had an argument on the way back to my house. And so being the kind of relational understanding that I came from, I kind of got out of the car in a huff and walked up to the front door. And Sam walked me to the door. I'm like, I don't need you to walk me to the door. And he walked me to the door, and then he did the most infuriating thing. He kissed me on the cheek. You can't, you jerk. You can't be nice to me in the middle of a fight. <laughs> You're all laughing because you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Some of you are like nudging each other. Yep, I see you, I see you. And so this was kind of my approach. And, and Sam's had to work on me for years. I'm sorry, it might just me, be me. I'm just going to get a bit off my chest this evening. Is that all right? I'm sure no one else in the room is like this. But this whole prideful approach to relationship, which actually breaks our hearts. It actually affects us. It hurts us. And the devil would love nothing more than for us to stay in that place, to stay in that place. And so I'm talking about the brokenness that we're responsible for when our actions or inactions have caused someone else pain. You know, my mum, about, I don't know, three or four years ago, bought this beautiful property out in the country, and it's a few acres. They've got a big paddock and a dam, and the dam is like, it's kind of split in two, and it has this little land bridge with a small channel that the water runs through. And last year sometime, it must have got this weed in it, and the weed just spread like nothing else. And so this beautiful dam, which once had turtles and ducks and everything in it, is like literally, like you can see this weed growing over it. And my mom and my stepdad have tried over and over to kill it, to clean it, to like weed it all out, but they can't. And every time the um, conditions are right, this thing just flourishes again. And it's like overnight, it's like a carpet on the top of the water. And they just can't deal with this weed. And this is exactly what it's like in our relationships is the smallest little thing, is that we feel like we can compartmentalize a bit of bitterness, a bit of pride, a bit of um, justification over here in this relationship, but I want to tell you, that thing's going to spread through your whole life. It's just going to, you cannot. Bitterness is like that weed, it just spreads. And we can't just say, well, I'm just going to hold that hurt against that person, but I'm going to love everyone else. It's not possible. It's not possible. Eventually, it affects every area of your life. 
And so the thing with my mum's dam is this tiny little land bridge doesn't have enough movement of water. There's a blockage. And so until they deal with the blockage, they're not going to actually be able to rid themselves of this weed. And so there are many blockages in our lives. One of them is pride. One of them is hurt. One, you know, there are so many different things that cause us to block up and then all the bitterness ends up spreading and it keeps reoccurring in our lives. No matter how many times we try to weed it out, no matter how many times we try to poison the weed, we need to get rid of the blockage. We need to get rid of the blockage so that everything can flow freely through and to wash that all thing out, that whole thing out. And so what causes us to act in ways that cause other people pain? Well, you know, our own hurt, our own insecurities, lead to bitterness. And when we have bitterness on the inside of us, we act out on other people. We have bitterness, actually, what we do is we put up walls of protection. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And when you have those walls of protection around your life, you're not very easy to connect with. There's brokenness. And so the way that you interact with others is dysfunctional and it causes pain. And so hurt, our own hurt, causes us to inflict pain on others. Do you know judgment? Judgment causes you to act in ways that hurt other people. I've been thinking about this recently. The scripture, the scripture in Matthew 7 verse 2. It says, for, what, with, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And the measure you use will be measured back to you. And I started to think about this. You know what? When I judge someone else, when I critique someone else, I'm automatically going to be measured myself in that way. So any critique I put on another person, I'm putting back on myself. It's like an immediate deflection back to me. And so we wonder why the most judgmental people in the world are the most miserable. Like a mirror. Like a mirror. When we judge someone, we're judged back. And this, isn't it true? Don't you, isn't it like, I certainly know what this feels like. When I'm in that place of judgment over another person, I feel gross. You know what I mean? And you also know those people who consistently are critical and can't get out of that cycle. Can't get out, it's because the measure you use will be measured back to you. And so judgment can actually be one of the things that causes pain on others, but also on ourselves. And then what happens is once, when we're carrying this um, dysfunctional interaction with, between us and other people, what happens is then we start feeling the weight of guilt and shame. And so suddenly we're both trapped. The person we're hurting is trapped and we're trapped ourselves because we're carrying the shame and the guilt associated with that broken relationship. And so what do you do? What do we need to do? Well, my first thought simply is to own up to the pain. Admit that you are trapped and you're in pain. Admit that this this relationship dysfunction that you've caused is causing you pain. Admit that it's actually affecting you. Not just the other person, but it's causing you pain too. Because the measure that you've used is now being used back to you. Admit that it's hurting you. 
Admit that your position is actually hurting you. Do you know why that's important? Because only when you do that can you start to find freedom. When you admit that your behavior is causing you pain, you start to get free. You start to get free. Freedom comes when we recognize where the pain is coming from. And when we admit it's our fault. So own up to the pain and find freedom. The second thought I have is own up to your part in it and pursue peace. You know, in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul is writing to the church and he explains so beautifully that as Christians, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. You just consider those three words, ministry of reconciliation. That is the banner over every Jesus follower. If you're a Christian, you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. It's so, so beautiful. Let me read it to you. Can we read it together? It says this. So we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside and we see... What we see is that everyone is united with the Messiah and gets a fresh start and is created new. The old life has gone, the new life burgeons. Look at it. All this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone else what he's doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Isn't that powerful? And so that's the message version. The more uh, traditional versions call it the ministry of reconciliation that we now go about causing this reconciliation between us and other people. And so we're called to make them right. God cares about our relationships. God cares about how we interact with each other and the messes we may or may not be in with each other. And he calls us as Christians to make them right. He calls us to make them right. In Romans 12, 18, it says, If it's possible... As much as it depends on you, if it's in your power, live peaceably with everyone. If you have the power to make it right, make it right. If it's even possible and in your power, make it right. Make it right. Own up to your part. Matthew 5 is so powerful. Can we read that? Matthew 5, 23 to 24 says this. This is how I want you to conduct yourselves in these matters. If you enter into church on a Sunday night and you're about to worship God or give an offering and you suddenly remember that a a grudge that a friend has against you, abandon everything you're about to do, leave immediately, go to that friend and make things right. Then and only then, come back and work things out with God. Anyone need to get up and leave right now? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right? (laughs) 
be preaching to an empty room. Because God's more interested in our relationships than our keeping up appearances. God is more interested with the condition of our interactions with others than our good deeds. God prefers a sacrifice of the heart. He prefers that we would be soft and humble and real than lift our hands like hypocrites do and have broken relationships outside those doors. If it's possible, if it's in your power, live at peace with one another. Live at peace with one another. Own up to your part. If anyone's offended, don't play church. Go to them and make it right. God cares about our relationships. You know, there are two versions of self. Pride and self draws us to a substandard version. Pride and hurt and all those things that focus on ourselves pull us downwards to a substandard version. But humility and Christ pull us upwards to the highest version of self. I want to ask you today, what is the highest version of you telling you to do? What would the highest version of you do in that situation? The highest version, what would that person do? And so make the apology. Make the apology. In Matthew 5, as we just read, it says to go to the person, to make it right. Now, this is not your opportunity to plead your case again. That's not an apology. Don't go. Don't go if you're going to come with all your ammo. You need to be completely disarmed. You need to come from a place of, I want to make this right, and I'm owning my part of it. I'm not even going to address your part because that's not my responsibility. I'm owning my part. You can do whatever you want beyond that. I'm owning my part, and I'm asking you to forgive me. You don't make excuses. You don't make justifications. You own your part in the dysfunction, and you say, can you forgive me? Go and make it right. At that point, it's completely up to them. But do you know what? You're free. You're free. Up until then, the enemy is doing these ones. Yes. Got you bound got you bound up, but the moment you go, you know what, I admit, I stuffed it, and I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Even if they don't forgive you, you're free. You're free. And we have to admit this. You know, there's a, a man in the, in the New Testament who knows exactly what this is like. His name was Zacchaeus. And he was, you know, the name Zacchaeus actually means pure and innocent, <laughs> Zacchaeus means pure and innocent, and he most certainly was not. This guy was a scoundrel. This guy ripped everyone off, and he was rich off the backs of people. He basically just swindled money. He was a tax collector and would overtax people and live off the cream. And so he was hated. He had a reputation for this. He was hated for it, but Jesus comes to town. I want to read it together. 
the story of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. In the city of Jericho, there lived a very wealthy man named Zacchaeus, who was the supervisor over all the tax collectors. As Jesus made his way through the city, Zacchaeus was eager to see Jesus. He kept trying to get a look at him, but the crowd around Jesus was massive. Zacchaeus was a very short man and couldn't see over the heads of the people. I love the detail in the Bible, right? And all the um, vertically challenged people said, Amen. So he ran on ahead of everyone and climbed up a blossoming fig tree so he could get a glimpse of Jesus as he passed by. And when Jesus got to that place, he looked up into the tree and said, Zacchaeus, hurry on down, for I'm appointed to stay at your house today. So he scurried down the tree and came face to face with Jesus. As Jesus left to go with Zacchaeus, many people in the crowd complained. Look at this. Of all the people to have dinner with, he's going to eat in the house of a crook. (laughs) I love Jesus. Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, joyously overwhelmed, uh, welcomed Jesus and was amazed over his gracious visit to his home. Zacchaeus stood in front of the Lord and said, Half of all that I own, I will give to the poor. And Lord, if I've cheated anyone, I promise to pay back four times as much as I stole. Jesus said to him, This shows that today life has come to you and your household, for you are a true son of Abraham. How cool is that? Here's this guy. His name means pure. His name means innocent, which was the way he was born. But he'd gotten himself into some messes. He'd gotten himself into some broken relationships. He'd gotten himself into a place where he probably wasn't very popular and he probably didn't like himself a whole lot. And Jesus comes to town. And, you know, you sometimes get to those places where you don't care how rich you might be. You don't care how you might come across. You're just going to climb that tree. You get to a place where you're like, I'm just going to do whatever it takes to see what I need to see. I'm just going to do whatever I need to do to be a part of what I need to be a part of. And Zacchaeus was in that place. I don't know if you've ever been in that place. I certainly have been in that place where I just couldn't care less anymore what anyone around me thought. I just needed to get in on what Jesus was doing. And so he climbs up this tree, this prideful, you know, wealthy man, climbs a tree. And Jesus comes and stands right under the tree because he knows everybody in the crowd. He knows where they're all at. He knows the ins and outs of everybody's life. And I love that he goes to Zacchaeus and he stands under the tree and he goes, buddy, I'm going to your house today. He climbs down the tree and he gets ridiculed. Jesus gets ridiculed for hanging out with someone that no one likes. And Zacchaeus makes it right. I'm going to give away half of all my wealth, God. And if I've wronged anybody, you know what, God? I'm going to go back to every single person that I have wronged, and I'm not only going to repay them, I'm going to give them four times what I took. Sometimes an apology is going to cost you a lot. To restore that relationship, it's going to cost you a lot. But where it's in your power, and if it was your fault, make it right. Make it right. Be the person with the humble, soft heart. Make it right. Make it right. I've recently done this with several people 
where God brought it to my attention, what I was not for them and needed to be. And sitting with them and just saying, I'm really sorry that I wasn't who I should have been for you. And it's like everything's forgotten. Everything's gone. All the hurt's gone. The restoration comes instantly. And I'm not sure whether that'll be the same for everybody or in every situation where I do this. But I want to tell you it's the right way. And it brings freedom. And we wonder why our lives get cluttered maybe with anxiety, depression, pain. Why we struggle to find favorable and positive experiences when we've got all this baggage going on. All this static and clutter going in on in the background of our hearts and of our minds. It says where it's possible, just live peaceably with everybody. How uncluttered is that? How easy is that? And if it's in our power that we would just do that, that we would just own up to that and do it, it's our responsibility to do it, to just say sorry. You know, forgiveness is a really, really powerful thing. So is unforgiveness. It's the difference between freedom and bondage. It really is. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.